I feel that the sum of where we are is because of how much or how little discipline we have. That's what I feel. And the application of knowledge that we ascertain, right? And then I was like, it's not really discipline. Once you do something for so long, it becomes a lifestyle. That's truly what it is. An easy example, if I want to want to have a better physique, it's not about just going on a diet for six weeks, You're going on a diet for 12 weeks, 16 weeks. It becomes a lifestyle to where I mess up because I got the homies in town or somebody's birthday. And then the next day I get back on it. It's just simply a lifestyle choice that I've created. If I make 50000 a year and I want to be a millionaire, I have to be disciplined in that. But discipline makes me think that it's rigid. Lifestyle makes me think that it's bendable. And that's what I'm saying. And then the cool thing about that is when you make something a lifestyle, you can mess up and it's no big deal. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Mike Johnson. You may recognize Mike from his appearance on season 15 of The Bachelorette, or perhaps from season six of Bachelor in Paradise. You may have also listened to his new hit podcast, Talking It Out. And I must say, what most intrigued me about Mike wasn't his reality television career, it was his backstory and how well he articulates the exact steps he used to get him out of one of the most darkest moments of his life, which we can all relate to. Mike quickly faced some unforeseen adversity as a kid as he was sexually abused by a babysitter, and what came to follow was years and years of turmoil as he found himself becoming a bit of a rebel as he burglarized homes as a teenager and had unhealthy relationships with women. Mike then joined the Air Force and worked as an IT specialist for years before becoming a financial advisor. This is where things took a bad turn for him. Although financially he was crushing it, a relationship that ended with a woman that he was madly in love with broke his heart and led him down a dark path of self-sabotage, misery, and depression. Mike's path out of this rut was largely due to his obsession with personal development and self-discovery. He began working on his identity, his mindset. He began reading books, being of service to others, and exercising. Today, Mike shares it all. He will walk you through step-by-step as to how exactly he transformed himself from someone that was completely heartbroken and hopeless to starring on one of the biggest reality shows that have ever existed. We also chat about a universal formula that can work for anyone who is struggling to get out of a rut and get motivated. And Mike highlights the process of being on The Bachelorette. And our combo also gets into financial planning. And Mike gives some of his top tips to become financially fit. We also discuss why adopting a lifestyle around something is much more important than having discipline and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Mike Johnson to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Doug, thank you for having me, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just chilling here in in Baltimore. It's kind of a sad day, though, in Baltimore, because I don't know if you saw yesterday, Michael K. Williams, who played Omar in that show, The Wire. The Wire, yes. Yeah, he died yesterday. He was young, 54. 54. and Super young. And the show was filmed probably like, I guess it's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes max from where I grew up and where I currently live now. So it's, it's bittersweet. He was, I mean, not bittersweet. It's horrible, but it's bittersweet in the sense that, you know, it's cool to watch the show and see like this incredibly well done series done in my, in my hometown. Show's amazing. Yeah. But it's horrific to see that like arguably one of the greatest TV characters of all time and a very talented actor loses life. So young to addiction, which it seems like could have happened to you too. I mean, just based on like your younger years and kind of the path you were going on, which is it's, uh, it's, right. It could, it could have happened to a lot of people. I, I don't think that could, I don't take that from no one at any point in time in their life, especially after the conversations I've had on my podcast with some of our guests and people that I know personally that, you know, went, went down that path. It, it, it could happen to anybody. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I just send my condolences to him. Sad that, you know, he took his life via, abuse uh, that's a part of life sadly though 
Yeah, it's unfortunate, man, when you know it's it's interesting. And I've had this conversation with people before that I think when you first start getting high for a lot of people, it's to gain this sense of pleasure and have fun and like try things out and and numb some sort of pain on the inside too, I think comes along with that. But then it reached a point where you're like using drugs to numb the shame and like the sadness that's been created from your life falling apart and knowing that, you know, deep down you wish your life was differently. Definitely. Like you said, a part of it is just strictly to be numb. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people do. Some of you, there's, there's party drugs and there's drugs just to, you know, put you out. Right. Put you out. I mean, like go to sleep, just in zombie mode. And so that's the numbing effect that we're talking about. A lot of people, a lot of people, people that you look up to right now, some people's lawyers, doctors do things of that nature. And it doesn't drugs and addiction. They don't see color. They don't see class. You know, they don't see, you know, political side. It's just an individual on individual basis. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs definitely don't discriminate. Neither does addiction. It doesn't matter if you're worth a dollar, a hundred dollars, hundred million dollars. Like yeah. it will find you if you look hard enough. So, but you know, what's, what's really fascinating about your story and kind of before we recorded, I said that you've had so many different setbacks. Like we all have setbacks in life, but you've had a lot of them and you've managed to create something meaningful and magical out of every single one, it seems like. And I know your story is, you know, you kind of, you kind of grew up, you were kind of mischievous, like, you know, breaking into homes and, you know, sleeping with a bunch of women. And, you know, you were, I know you were sexually um, abused as a kid. And then you go to the, into the military and, and then from the military, I think you go into the finance, the financial services industry, and then you get into this relationship and it, it nearly destroys your life in the sense that, you know, you experience this massive heartbreak and you find yourself in a, in a way, I guess you lost your identity. You lost your sense of purpose and experienced some, some deep, deep darkness. And then you found your way to the bachelorette. So I guess like a good maybe starting point is so what was going on during that super, super dark time? And then like, how did you manage to crawl out of such a really dark place in your life to, <clears throat> to make it on a, a show like The Bachelorette? Uh, I would say there's, there's probably two really dark times, but the one that you're referencing is uh, it's a heartbreak. Man, like I said, I was a financial advisor. Uh, so I took my own advice. I was pretty good with money. And when my ex and I broke up, I stopped working. Like it was about 11 months of me being in my house. Didn't work no more. I was, I, I literally turned my life into a prison. You know, my one bedroom, uh, one bathroom apartment became my prison cell. And when I would go out, that would be my, you know, 23, one, right. My one hour in the yard. That's just how I lived my life for a good year. The only way that I got out of that mindset I'm talking about nobody visiting me, nothing of that nature. The only way I got out of that mindset was to be extremely, break it down, to just break down who I am as a human being, uh, to break us down as humans and be introspective. Mm. I had to stop being a victim. I had to look at exactly what's going on and look at ex ex exactly, analyze my life, analyze my life and my past life and at that very moment, I learned something about myself, which is I like to feel good. I like to be happy. And that sounds so like small, but it's such a huge thing. I knew that I like to be happy. And I knew the way that I make myself happy is by genuinely putting a smile on someone else's face. And I was like, this is selfish of me. But if it's genuine, it can still be selfish and I still can help somebody else as well. Mm -hmm. right and it's a ass backwards thought process but that's what helped i remember literally because i would leave my apartment maybe once a week to get food most of the times it was just you know order domino's pizza getting like 20 pounds in that <laughs> time period <laughs> when i would go out i started to just look up you know and if i saw something on a human being i would compliment them like for you if i liked your hat i would say hey guy nice hat or hey man nice hat right right and that individual naturally says, oh, thank you. It makes me smile. 
that's literally my parameter of happiness was at such a low. I, I, that's how I started just to make people feel better about themselves in a genuine way, because if it's not genuine, you know, people, they can feel that. Right. And so over time, it's just, it just came back to me. And now that's why I'm always smiling and just, just happy because I feel I I'm a believer in that stuff. I'm a believer in, you know, energy, you know, what you put out into this world is what you get back. And so that's, that's helped. That is what helped me get out of that depression. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May at Earth Echo Foods. As you know, Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products, which I absolutely love. This includes the newly released Island Bliss, which I take every day in my smoothie along with Cacao Bliss. Island Bliss is loaded with superfoods and is sweet enough to satisfy any sweet tooth. This blend is focused around 12 organic greens to support a gut-nourishing, mood-elevating, energy-increasing, and metabolism-boosting protocol. It also includes their Vitaberry blend, Aquaman, Spectra, Turmeric, topping it all off with a prebiotic and probiotic blend. All of this together makes Island Bliss the easiest way to get nourishing superfoods every single day. Much like Cacao Bliss, Island Bliss is the best of the best when it comes to taste, and you'll be left craving more. Island Bliss will help elevate your well-being prepare you for the day ahead. Not only that, it's dairy-free, soy-free, and gluten-free. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Again, it's earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Island Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for like for being of service to other people and that it takes the attention off of yourself and puts it onto somebody else. Because I think what happens is when we're in these dark times, which we all experience them, right? When we focus so much on all the crap in our lives and all the negativity, like our life becomes super dark. It becomes even darker than it already is because our, our attention is just so focused on that. But if we can just find these outlets to transfer the attention away from ourselves onto somebody else or something else, it helps to mitigate the pain. No, definitely. Does. Yeah. It's funny you say that. It's, I talk about it all the time when I was a financial advisor, one of my uh, best friends who's an advisor now, he had a similar situation. And I was like, you need to focus on something else. You know, make, make the main focus something else. And that's what he did with his work. And that's what helped him. So I, I completely agree with you there. Take the yeah. attention off of yourself. Yeah, you got to take the t- tension off yourself and you got to figure out different ways to make yourself happy because I think that's a obvious, it's like a basic human need is yeah. happiness for us. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that go about it the wrong way and they look for love in all the wrong places, right? This could be from substances like we were talking about earlier. It could be from bad relationships. It could be from, you know, tons of sex, spending a ton of money. You know, it could just go on and on with examples. But when you learn to, to love yourself authentically and figure out like actually tangible, like long lasting ways to, to make yourself happy. Like over time, your ability to get through the dark times becomes easier because you still have that core of loving yourself from the beginning. And I think that's, that's hard for a lot of people to do. So what were some of the other things that you did besides like being of service to to other people that like got you out of that rut? Dude, I think it's a formula and this formula is universal. Serious, it really is. Be of service to others. I'm still a part of big brothers, big sisters. I have a mentee who that dude teaches me more than I could possibly ever teach him. I personally started going to the gym. I don't care what no one says. I don't care how much that stuff hurts. I'm not about to be David Goggins and, you know, curse you out. But you feel better once you get a sweat in. You just just do. I don't care if it's sweat by yourself and it takes you 10 hours to get a little sweat in, you know, because you're going really, really slow, whatever the case may be. It still is going to feel just good. And so for me, I would uh, sweat. And then I realized I had to stop isolating myself, right? Because I think that's one of the first things that people do. And that's one of the first things I did was isolate myself. And so just speaking, talking, being transparent to the homies. Hey, this is what's going on, bro. You know, because at the end of the day, 
I've had friends that have taken their life, right? I, I dedicate my book to a friend, Courtney, who took her life. And your closest friends may not know truly what you're going through until you open up and let them in, right? And so for me, I, I can't be silent. I got to talk to the homies. That's what they're for. <laughs> so working out, you know, being of service and uh, not being a shell. Right. Yeah. There, there's so much there. And I think it's a common theme for a lot of people on the show or just people I'm sure you've talked to about how they get out of these dark moments, because you know the, the whole, the whole premise of the adversity advantage podcast, isn't really for people to completely just use these dark times to, to just make something magical right away. I think the, the idea is to say, okay, like adversity isn't what breaks you. It's how you respond that breaks you. So there's yeah, people right. that will get into a hard situation and they'll go on a bender and drink for two, three months, or they'll go do a bunch of drugs or whatever. And then their life becomes that much more hard and challenging and, and darker because of those choices. But if you can learn to harness that negative time and lean in on these positive coping mechanisms, like life isn't going to be you know, magical right away, but it's certainly going to work these emotional and mental muscles that are necessary to get you through other dark times and fitness, positive community, being of service, faith, like belief in yourself are all kind of common themes to get you through. So like, were, were there, was there any kind of like my, like, like mindset shifts you had to make within yourself and the way you talk to yourself? Because I know for me and for other people, when they get in these dark moments, the negative self-talk takes over and sometimes it can be really, really hard to, to fight against that. Now, I want to answer that. Well, you said something earlier that made me think of uh, when I was a financial advisor, I personally would say debt is an acronym and it stands for doing everything backwards twice. <laughs> right. And so when people go into these dark ruts and like you had mentioned, they may go on like an alcohol bender, or they may start, you know, abusing drugs to me, all you're doing, let's say we're, you know, we're starting at zero. All you're doing is going into the basement. Yeah. That's all you're doing. So therefore, you know, when you decide to come up out of that, you got further to work. You're going to work even harder to get to, you know, back to level zero, back to the lobby and then so that you can, you know, soar and go and go up. And so that's, I knew that in, in my turn, in my times of depression. And so <laughs> the only thing I did was just sit there. <laughs> yeah. Like genuinely, I just sat there. I just sat there and got fat because I was not doing anything, just eating out pizza every day or delivering pizza every day. But I did know drugs and alcohol is like accruing a lot of debt. All you're doing is doing everything backwards twice. And I'm not trying to do that. So for me, it just was sitting my butt at home. But I did have talks with myself. I remember this. This is a big one. I had a, a conversation when I got right back into the workforce after taking a year off. I almost threw up after having an interview. Just did, you back into, did, you, did you go back into the financial services industry? Yes, I did. Because I hadn't had it. I hadn't spoken with people, uh, more than one person, like the delivery person, literally within a year. It was like I was in ISO. That's how I felt. And I ran out. I remember running out of the building, almost throwing up, hyperventilating. I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've talked to people in the first time in a year. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I had no confidence then at that moment in time, which is weird for me to say because I'm a very confident person my entire life. And I called my community, two of my best friends, lucky, blessed to have them. And I said, I just came out of this financial meeting. I'm a black guy that has tattoos that uh, doesn't have a degree. And I'm around all these old white folk, all these old white men. And I don't feel like I belong. My homies cursed my ass out so hard, Doug. Like, cursed me the <laughs> hell out, right? All this cursing at me, right? I deserved every every last F-bomb that they said towards me. <laughs> and uh, that's where the self-talk started. Yeah. And that's where it literally started right then and there. I remember saying to myself, and I, if you've ever listened to one of my podcasts or podcasts I've been on, I always say this. I always say, I'm Mike motherfucking Johnson. Right. I sit under my breath when I'm sad, when I'm happy, when I'm eager and I'm anxious. And I, it's just like something I say to myself. And then before I leave my house every single day, 
I've been doing this since I was 20 before going to the military. I would always write either five goals or five affirmations down. It used to be on the refrigerator, the microwave, and my, you know, where you blood a horn in your car. Yeah. Now, you know, they change over time. Five new aspirations or affirmations that are on my wall. They're like stickers that you put on the wall right before yeah. you leave the house. And I make everyone come to my house and say it. It's on my IG. I have some, some people say it. You know, I am amazing. I can do anything. You know, positivity is a choice. I know my heart. I just, <laughs> it's something I literally yell out every day and talk to my lungs. My neighbor probably hate me. You're right. And I think, I, you know, I, there, there's a lot to be said. And I think I had somebody on my podcast who, you know, talks about this very thing. He like is, I forget what he does. He's a, a psychologist and, and runs like an emotional control lab, I believe out in the Midwest. Sorry, Ethan, if I'm butchering what you do, but he was talking about like how to, 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 to navigate chatter, like the, the, the talk, the, the, headspace. That goes, the headspace that goes on in between your ears. And one of the things that he says works is like talking to yourself in the third person and that people who talk to themselves are actually healthy and never forgetting who you are. And along those same lines, it's like, you know, you, you, you forget during these hard times, everything you have accomplished and all the hard times that you have gone through, because again, you're so focused on the, the negativity that's in front of you. And I think there's something to be said for like speaking life into yourself with your name that you're able to somehow remember who the hell you are. Because during a lot of these times where we go through these unfortunate hardships and trials in our lives, we lose sense of who we are. We lose sense of our own identity and that, that truly helps. All right. So, so along those lines, so you, you shift your mindset, you get into fitness, you, you change your community of people, you start to get out in the world and be of service. Like, did you I decide, started, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, st- I started to read as well. You started to read. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that was a big time for it. That was a big. So was there any books that like, that like shifted it for you or were you just like a, would you would just read anything? Nah, it was, it, there's one book, it's my favorite book ever. I know my homeboy's favorite book. This is my favorite book. It's called The, the Power of uh, Your Subconscious Mind mm. by Dr. Joseph D. Murphy. Bro, this book is the best book ever. <laughs> it's, it's The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by jo- Dr. Joseph D. D. Murphy. It is phenomenal. I mean, he, I have a tattoo that says breathe life. He breathes life into you via his words. And it's just, it's like, if you are a Wolverine fan, it's like adamantium going through your body when you read his words. It's truly amazing. I've never said that before, but that's just how it feels when you read his words and read that book. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very powerful. So was very the, powerful. was the message that you got with, did it help you like re rewire a lot of your subconscious thoughts and stuff? The, the message, the message that I got from the book was basically you can do anything. It, 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 it's literally that simple. The message I got from the book was that you literally can do anything. There's, there's nothing that you can't do. And that's what that book teaches you. And it slowly picks you up. If you don't, if you don't believe it, how's the universe going to receive it? Right. Right. And it starts with that belief in yourself, which again, goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago and like speaking life into yourself and remembering who you are during these hard times and leaning into these other like coping strategies to help you feel better about yourself and develop the self-confidence. Cause I think self-confidence comes not only from just achieving hard things in life, but it comes from just doing the things, you know, you should be doing on a daily basis. Like we all know we should be moving our body and hanging around certain people and reading and bettering ourselves. Yeah. I think self-confidence comes from uh, a few things. One going after as early as possible, going after the shit that's hard. Yeah. Like, just go after that. I remember somebody said, some celeb said that their father would praise them for failing the most. How many times can they fail? Right? And it sounds corny, but it is what it is. It's, it's true. I think that self-confidence comes from, not, I ain't going to say failing, but like going after what's hard. Like I'm about to learn a new language and, and un, un, undertake that at 33, right? They say, oh, why would you do that? That's kind of cool, but why would you do that? It to me is hard. But once I accomplish that, guess what happens? My confidence goes up. It's like, man, I just learned a new language. I can do anything, right? Or I just hit a, a new personal best. I can do anything. So I think a part of self-confidence comes after going after hard things, completing those hard things, and or 
yeah, completion. Completion. A lot of us don't complete shit. Right. I think that completion in general, I don't care if you complete it on time or complete it late, like most people would do. Completion is a confidence booster. Right. Yeah, most people are expert starters, but they're lousy um, completers, right? Like it's yeah. easy to start tasks. And traditionally what happens is people will either procrastinate and then not start anything at all, or they'll just they'll start like 15 things at once and they'll be like half, they'll do it like half-assed and they won't complete any of it. And they'll just quit because they're so overwhelmed. Yeah, man, that, that, and that, I think that eats at us yeah. subconsciously. It's not something that's, you know, overt. It's just, oh, you, and when you're talking to yourself about doing something like, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do that. But then when you're saying, man, I completed, you know, my sentence, I completed, you know, getting certified in this regard. I completed X, Y, Z. It's like, I always tell my friends this, the more that I do and the more that I accomplish, it makes it so much harder for me to make an excuse for myself. Right. Right. right? The more that I do in life, the hardest shit is for me to make an excuse. Yeah. It's like, well, Mike, you've already done that, that, and that. So why can't you do that? That's what confidence is. That's how you obtain confidence. It's just confidence is simply when we're a kid, we're playing with Legos, or if you're an adult like me and still play with Legos, <laughs> all you're doing is building it up. That's all confidence is. Right. And, and then like life a, is your yeah. dog that you know throws it over. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a muscle too. And I think the more you go after hard things, and the more you stay disciplined, and the more you stay like true to completing tasks that you start, like things become like second nature to you, and you're able to to see failure as more of a gift when things like don't go your way because you're like, okay, like I know that whatever I'm going through right now, even though I didn't complete it, or even though it didn't work out this time, I know that it's moving me closer towards something else. That's going to better my life. Correct. Right. That's, that's funny. My roommate gave me a uh, fortune cookie, like literally last week. And the fortune is funny that you said that the fortune cookie, I still have it in my bathroom countertop. It says I'm a butcher, but it says you don't have to know exactly where you're going to know that you're on the right path. That's exactly what it said right there. You don't have to know exactly where you're going to know that you're on the right path. And as long as you're doing the right things, you know, who knows what wrench may, be good, may get thrown into your life, but it's still going to help you out. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends at Organifi. Let's face it. Doing what you can to strengthen your health and immune system is so important right now. This is why I have been taking the immunity blend from Organifi. I also want to say that you cannot supplement your way into immunity or wellness, so make sure that you're taking care of the other areas of your health too. With that said, so many of you are buying immune support supplements, and most of them are honestly garbage. It's important to focus on quality. Organifi's immunity is 100% organic and contains clinically researched beta-glucans as well as 500% of your vitamin C intake and a healthy amount of ginger, turmeric, and zinc. This combination will certainly help to provide antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal support and aid in immune function. I find it to be quite delicious and I've passed it along to some of my clients. And because it's made with real oranges, make sure to shake it up well so that it blends smoothly. To check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of immunity from Organifi, go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug for 20% off your Organifi order. That's www.organifi.com forward slash Doug for 20% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so true because I think a lot of times what happens, and I think failure is interesting too. It's like there's people that, I think the people that aren't as okay with failure are the ones that just really aren't as connected to themselves and they're constantly chasing after like what their neighbor thinks they should do or what somebody on Instagram thinks they should do or their parents or whatever. And so they don't see it as part of their journey. They just see it as I knew I shouldn't have done that because it didn't feel right to me at the beginning. And then now I'm like feeling like shit about it because like I, I just wasted time. Whereas if you get connected to yourself and really know yourself and develop your own sense of identity and you go after something that you actually want and it doesn't go well, you know, it's just part of your path. At least that's my experience. Right. right. What I mean by that is I literally took account and a hold of everything. What am I spending my most time looking at? And at the time it was Instagram. 
And so I deleted all my friends for the most part, or at least the ones that were posting every day, right? <laughs> and I added a bunch of like positive pages, a bunch of self-love pages, a bunch of like David Goggins type pages. Right. I love David Goggins, so I would he say is. his name. Yeah, he's it's the crazy. Best. <laughs> Freaking crazy monster. I'm so yeah, crazy monster. So glad he's not my roommate. Uh, I like, dude, you gotta calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but still love him to death, right? And so I would follow those pages on IG. And I mean, I'm being just bombarded with positivity, but I'm being bombarded with truth. I'm being bombarded with stop being a victim, you know, that mindset. And then I would stop, I stopped listening to music and started listening to uh motivational stuff like Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher or Tom Bilu, Bilu, I forgot how you pronounce Bilu, it. Bilu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bilu, uh, Les Brown. I literally would listen to that first thing in the morning. I wake up at 4.18 in the morning. That's what I would listen to. And so every day I was building my foundation. And those are things you got to do. Yeah, and I think you're right. And, and one of the things that, that really haunts people is that victim mindset and you know saying woe is me or why is this happening to me or i can't believe these people are treating me this way or why is my life like this and then you know you pretty much relinquish control of what you have going on into the into the arms of somebody else and and you never get anywhere when you do that and it's hard because i think it's it's so much easier for people to blame other people because that's the easy thing to do it feels really good in that moment to know that you didn't have anything to do with what's you know wrong in your life right now. But unfortunately that creates more long-term pain because now you're in a position where you're not making any decisions that are aligned with where you actually want to go in life. Cause you do want to get better and you're just prolonging the pain in your life and just creating a more unhealthy situation for yourself. And in my experience and the experiences of many is that's what happens, right? You stay in that victim mindset and it's easy in the beginning to blame other people. And then you get used to blaming other people in your life and you never take any action because everything is somebody else's fault. That is crazy important because when we look back on it, when you try to tell an old, the old saying is you can't teach a dog new tricks. And it's because the dog already has a mindset. It's, it's set in stone. Right. You know, uh, the dog already has a mindset that's set in stone. So therefore, if you allow yourself to be a victim and have victim mentality, over time, it's going to be incredibly hard for you to be able to listen to anyone of positivity, listen to anyone that's talking the way we're talking right now, because you just, you built up a callus right. for that. You know, right. it's like, it goes back to my doing everything backwards twice acronym. Yeah. And I want to touch on that because I think one of the, the fascinating things about you is that you've now built yourself into this household name and in the public eye and have become like a celebrity, if you will. But you also have this financial background, which I think has, has served you well. I've heard you talk about it on podcasts before where you've been really smart with your money, where even though you've had more success financially and, and really grown your brand and your platform, you still you still are smart with how you spend your money, how you save your money. So like, what have been some of your best practices through that, that have helped you like set yourself up to be financially stable that maybe the audience, if they're listening and they're really struggling financially right now, they're just con con consistently living paycheck to paycheck and just spending more money than they should. Well, Doug, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, but I'm not a household name. <laughs> well, well, I meant like people know who you are, though. You know, like I, I, I was like, "Whoa, I can't accept that win." <laughs> but I appreciate it, though. Uh, some some basic financial tips would be: I dare you to track your spending for ten days. I dare you. I double. I triple dog dare you. Like we're back <laughs> on you know kindergarten. I triple dog dare you to track your spending for ten days. Uh, once you see it, you're probably going to be like, damn, I spent a lot of money on food. That's normally what it is. And then from there, I dare you to just get rid of the credit card debt. That's it. That's the only one. I dare you to get rid of that one. Mm. And, then, and then from there, we can go to step two. Yeah. That's, that's step one. Just simply to become aware of how you spend money, stop using your credit card, and realizing that a lot of the things we spend money on are to either please someone else to 
because I mean, we can have friends over our house and not have to drink every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Especially to the guys that want to buy everybody drinks or whatever, you know, spend a, spend a hundred, hundred bucks every single night. That these things are huge. That's, that's, that's colossal. I can't say that enough. And then to just simply dial back one thing, maybe stay home one night instead of go out three nights, just stay home. Just go out two nights instead. It's very simple. You got to start it off very, very simple. And then to not, and honestly, the biggest one is not give a damn what other people say. Like I'm on TV. I'm on a new TV show that's airing today. And I still drive a 2014 Ford Focus. Really? And, and I will take a picture with a fan and I'll get my big ass self in my little small car <laughs> and I'll be happy and go about my day. You can't care what other people think. My mentee always talks crap about me. <laughs> He's like, bro, can't you buy a new car? I'm like, yeah, I could buy a lot of these cars cash, but you know, that's not my prerogative. Right. And I think it all comes down to this sense of self, right? Like a theme of our conversation, like your identity and like how you feel about yourself. Because a lot of times people are making these purchases to please people they don't know, to Correct. fill a void inside of them and think that buying this car getting to that next thing. We, we, we have a problem, I think, with when I get to this thing or when I buy this thing, I'll be happy. Like, no. That, I, I like J. Cole. He's a rapper. I listen to him a lot. He talks about how he wish he knew that money really don't be... I mean, you're gonna be, you will be, let's not lie about it. You will be happy in that moment. Right. But then like the next day, it, it wears off. It really does wear off really quickly. Or what happens is you're starting to create another, doing everything backwards twice to where you start to get high off the feeling of showing some stuff off. Hey, yeah. bro, I got, you see my new, my new whip. Hey, bro, you see my new purse. Hey, bro, whatever the case may be. Right. And then once that wears off, then you got to buy something else. Mm. And that's where we get the, the term keeping up with the Joneses. So if you right? kept your spending habits the same, like as you've, your, as your fame's grown, as your, I was, no, going I, up? no, I haven't. And what I mean by that is, I definitely spend more on dates now. <laughs> like if I, you know, if I, if I want to take a lady on a nice date, I'm, I will definitely do that. But as far as, no, nah, my roommate not spoke about this last night. I would say 80% of my money goes to investments. Wow. So it, it's still a staggering amount. I still live well below my means. That's really impressive, man. Cause you see a lot of people when they start making more money, they start getting a little fame. The first thing they do is they go buy like a Ferrari or the first thing they do is go buy like, you know, five or six expensive pairs of tennis shoes or they go buy like, you know, their family, a house or go buy a beach house or whatever it is. And then there's going to definitely be times where money isn't flowing in as much or the numbers aren't going up. Yeah. And you're like, oh crap, like this isn't for like this forever. And then if you yeah. haven't set yourself up financially to be disciplined, and I think it goes back to like behavior, right? I think like it's like if you can train yourself to have like the 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 right, you know, behavior, the right mindset around money, I think over time you will, you know, be able to be more fi- financially sustainable than the people who just like go at it blind and say, Oh, I'm just making more money. I'm not even going to think about what I'm spending on, or I'm not going to have any values on what I'm going to spend money on or not. I'm just going to blow it because it's there. And then those people end up having problems later on in life when things aren't as good because they just haven't set themselves up and they've positioned, they've essentially positioned themselves to be like so addicted to, to spending yeah. money and buying things yeah. that it's really hard to get out of that. Yeah, I mean, when I was in high school, there was a point in time to where, you know, I, I, I was burning money to me was a fire. It was when I put it in my pocket, it was burning a hole through the pockets, right? Burning a hole through the dinner. So I went through that phase. I went through the phase of, yo, I got to have the flyest chick, the flyest car. My first car ever was an Lexus, literally. Like I, I went through the phase of trying to impress and, and all that stuff. Then I realized, bruh, the girl that I want, she should talk to me regardless of the car that I have. Right. The homies that I have, my best friends, I, they can talk crap about the car I drive. I don't care because they do all the time. But <laughs> they still love me, right? It's not because of my possessions. Mm. I don't. I don't want someone to care about me because of the possessions that I have. 
that's not what that's not what it's about uh, at all. Now, I, 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 I do want to convey, though, spending money isn't a bad thing when you have it. Sure. Spend it. I'm not I'm not one to hoard every single thing. I love Warren Buffett, but dude's a billionaire 10 times over and still lives in his house from 1953. That ain't me. <laughs> like, hell no, that's not me, you know. Uh, but at the same time, dude still lives in his house from the 50s, man. He's a multi-billionaire. It's crazy. Wow. But yeah, that that that's that's not me. Spending money isn't bad. I think that it just we have to be aware of what we're doing and we have to know why we're spending this money. It, it can't just be like, I'm going on a date. I got to buy a new outfit five times a week. Yeah. You know, it just, it have, they just have to be aware. Somebody got on me because I tweeted about it. So I said, Mike, are you an outfit repeater? I'm like, you didn't write up an outfit repeater. Just because on TV don't mean that like I have 365 outfits. I just, my roommate and I, we have literally at the front five things of clothes that we're giving away to, you know, Salvation Army. I have about 15 outfits that I rotate. It is what it is. Like, <laughs> so where does this, you seem very disciplined when you're like, on that's your, what it was your game, right? Like you mentioned getting up at 418, you mentioned like this formula that you have that, you know, that if you do these things, like your life gets better. You talk about like your financial discipline, which is super impressive. Like, did this come from the military? Did this come from your family? Like, where did you, uh, like adopt this this discipline like nature from i appreciate the question so i'll answer the question i want to speak on the word discipline i do believe my life's experiences have helped me and honed in on my on the discipline aspect that i have obviously being a financial advisor and practicing what i preach because not every financial advisor practices what they preach i became number one at that and the only reason i became number one at that is because I listened to what my directors told me and I doubled it, mm-hmm. right? They say, talk to 40 people a day. All right, I'm going to talk to minimum 100, you know? And that's literally what I did. And I, it's just a formula. Everything can be broken down by numbers. If you want to be better shooter than Steph Curry, find out how many shots he's done. Let's say he did 3,000 a day, do 6,000. I don't care if it takes you six hours or 16 hours, you know? Period. Everything can be broken down into numbers. If you want to be in better shape. If you want to be a better writer, if you want to be a better podcaster, if you want to be a, I don't care what it is. You can break it down. If you want to be a better actor, if you want to become an actor, now the becoming an actor is in someone else's hands, right? But you still can be better yourself. So we got to remember the, the distinction between what we can control and what someone else control. But I wanted to talk about the word discipline, right? So I have tattoos and my next tattoo, I think I want it like a red incursive somewhere like on my shoulder blade and it's going to say lifestyle right and i say my next tattoo because i've wanted this tattoo for years but i can't get it just yet all my tattoos come when i've completed something except for my very first two and this lifestyle tattoo it started off with discipline i was gonna get discipline tattooed on me because i feel that the sum of where we are is because of how much or how little discipline we have that's what I feel. And the, app, the application of knowledge that we ascertain, right? And then I was like, it's not really discipline. Once you do something for so long, it becomes a lifestyle. That's truly what it is. An easy example, if I want to be better at the game of money and or be better at the game of, you know, having a nice physique, it's not just about, let me go with one example. If I want to have a better physique, it's not about just going on a diet for six weeks going on a dollar for 12 weeks, 16 weeks, it becomes a lifestyle to where I mess up because I got the homies in town or somebody's birthday. And then the next day I get back on. It's just simply a lifestyle choice that I've created. If I make 50,000 a year and I want to be a millionaire, I have to be disciplined in that. But I'm discipline makes me think that it's rigid. Lifestyle makes me think that it's bendable. And that's what I'm saying. Uh, with lifestyle, if I make 50K a year and I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm telling you now that it can't happen. And you just have to make a lifestyle choice out of it. You can still eat out once a month, maybe, and get some filet mignon or whatever the case may be. But it's a lifestyle decision that you're making to not do it every single day. And then the cool thing about that is 
when you make something a lifestyle, you can mess up and it's no big deal. Right. Because it's just the way you live your life. And this is why you see a lot of these people who go on these short-term diets fail because it's not a lifestyle for them. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not, it's like, bro, what are you doing? You just, once you see that, uh, that snickerdoodle or that my, my favorite, you know, cookies and cream ice cream with a brownie on top. <laughs> yeah. You're done. But if it's a lifestyle, you're like, okay, I'm going to eat this. I'm going right back tomorrow. Like I used to say, man, you're getting me back into my very disciplined mindset. I used to say some will, some won't. So what next? Mm. It's like uh, S W to the third power with an N. That's the formula. Some will, some won't. So what next? Yeah. That was, and then I would say to myself, I don't care what happens today. I'm going to be back tomorrow. Those things are lifestyles. I don't care if I ate bad today, I'm going to be back in that gym tomorrow. I don't care if I, you know, curse my mom out today, which she hopefully never happens. <laughs> I want to be back apologizing to her and showing her love tomorrow. Right. I think that's the difference between discipline and lifestyle. Discipline, once you break it, it's almost like, oh God, such a sad thing. Lifestyle is like, no. This is for my life. This is, I'm living, so therefore I do. Yeah, you're right. And I think a lot of people get tripped up in this, this, this idea that when they have a bad day or something doesn't go their way, like going back to failure, that it's infinite, that it's going to be that way yeah. forever, right? And they, they wake up the next day and instead of adopting the mindset you just talked about, like, okay, like tomorrow's a new day. Like I still have tomorrow. I can wake up tomorrow and change my behaviors. I can wake up tomorrow and start over. I can wake up tomorrow and eat different. I can wake up tomorrow and think different. What people do, what people do is they look at like all the bad things that happened yesterday or two days ago or three days ago, and that becomes like their focus. And then what happens if you focus on that, then you get in this negative mindset that your life is bad, even though it's really not as bad as you think it is. And then a bad day turns into a bad week, a bad week turns into a bad few weeks and a bad month. And then you find yourself three, four, five months later, in a really bad spot. And it all came back to, for a lot of people, the inability to get out of that bad day and just, and then make that switch. And I, I definitely, I want to shift because I'm, I'm intrigued because I really don't know the, the bachelorette story. And I, I told you we, we wouldn't dive deep into it and we won't, but I, do, I am like interested in how that all like came about. Like you mentioned, like towards the beginning of our conversation, you had this, this bad breakup that really set you down this downward spiral then did you just get into like other relationships after that? And you hit a point where you were like, you know what? Like, I think I, I have this acting talent. I'm a good looking dude. Like, I think I can really make a name for myself on this show. Zero percent. Hey. Uh, <laughs> he said, he said that. <laughs> yeah, 0%. Uh, I appreciate it. But no, not at all. I never even heard of the show when I went into like, never even heard that title before when I went into after my ex and I broke up. So what happened, I remember being at work one day and I was in my home when I was just talking to him, you know, bros talk or whatever. Yeah. And I like, bro, I was like, I want the real thing. That's exactly the exact words to the exact terminology. I was like, I want the real thing. It's like, what you talking about? I said, I'm going to be in a relationship, man. Like, I want to have the wife, kids, all that. He started laughing. He <laughs> laughed at me. He was like, what? What dude says that? Like, you know, right. when, when no girls are around, he's like, what dude really says that? I'm like, bro, for real. Like, this is what I, homie, like, I, you know, I want the wife and kids to hold on or whatever. I want to be the corny dad. You know, that's, I still want to be the corny dad, right? And he was dying laughing at me. He was like, bro, you tripping. You could just go, like, have fun all, all, all day. And I'm like, nah, I really want the hard road up. And so he laughed at me. And then a few weeks later, one of my neighbors, she said, you're coming to a bachelor party with me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm thinking, like, you're, you don't have no dude. I'm not, what do you mean? I'm not going to Vegas. We don't bachelor party, right? Anyway, I go to her house. This TV show, The Bachelor, this was the first time I ever seen it. The Bachelor was on. And I, we watched the episode. She's like, you're going to be The Bachelor one day. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I had seen one episode of it at that, at that time, right? Then a few weeks later, my homeboy sends me a, uh, a few weeks, meaning like three months. My homeboy sends me a, uh, a Facebook message. And it was a casting call for The Bachelorette. And literally, I was like, well, I'm off work today. And so I drove to the bachelor uh, casting call. That's how it happened. Really? And 
Yeah, legit. That's how it happened. I remember going up there to the casting, and I wore I, I, I wore a suit, right? Not I, I I didn't know what you were supposed to do. Like I'm I'm laughing at myself now, but I didn't know what you're supposed to do. Coming from as a financial advisor, I wear a suit every single day to work, so I'm like, all right, cool. I wear a suit or whatever, and I knew it was going to be a good day because I have a disabled veteran plates from when I was my time in the military. And it, it was at the Houston Aquarium, and it was so packed this day. And it's the only spot left was this 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 better, uh, or sorry, this disabled parking spot. I parked there. This uh, this dude, older man, like in his seventies, he drives up. He's like, "Hey," uh, and I see someone in the passenger seat. He's like, "Hey, do you need that spot?" I said, "No," and so I moved. And I let him park there. I drove, found somewhere. I come up and I see that his son was like in a, in a wheelchair. And I'm like, "Oh man." That's crazy. I was like, he deserved it. You know, he needed, he needed it. And we go up and this, this kid, him and I both were auditioning for the show. Right. And me and him were chopping it up. And I'm like, wow, it's going to be a good day. And I knew it was going to be a good day just because I did a good deed. That was genuine. I remember I go back to the word genuine. And so me and him chopping it up, having a great time or whatever. And I brought a book with me. Cause I told you, I, I like to read pretty nerdy. It was how to, how to win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie is, and then when I, when I remember going to my first, I guess, audition, I was so not scared. (laughs) I was like, you're, you're a person. I'm a person. What's up, man? Just like that. What's up, bro? Wow. So what was the, what was the process? Like, I mean, I've, I'm not familiar with it. Like, was it like, were they asking you about your relationship history? Were they like, taking uh, like figuring out how tall you were and how much you weighed and, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know what, what, what that would yeah. entail. Uh, so the process, I want to say the process is a bit different for everyone. Sometimes people used to reach out to you on IG. They'll DM you if you have like a nice little following. Sometimes you live in a city to where like if you live in San Diego, LA, Chicago, New York, Miami, Florida, you know, hot zones, like where you know, hot people are at, I guess you would say, or just where uh, TV cameras could go. That's where they might just catch you. I live in San Antonio. No, there wasn't a lot of cameras around at the time, right? Right. And so the way I got cast was I did a casting call. It took about six months. Did about like five, six interviews, a few phone interviews, a few in-person interviews. And I had to make a video, which I got in trouble for because when making the video was one of the last things you had to do. And I wasn't doing it. And they were like, Mike, do the damn video. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, why are y'all even asking me to do this? Y'all don't want me anyway on this show. And I was literally talking myself, my negative self-talk, talking myself out of it. And like one day, one of the producers just flat out said, Mike, do the damn video. I need it today. And I was like, all right, cool. And so when I got home from work, (laughs) if I were to show the video or release it, and people heard me say this, they would get it. I still had on my like business shirt. But I took off my pants and did like the risky business Tom Cruise where he runs out <laughs> with his socks on. That's literally what I did. And, you know, then I started talking, responding to the questions or whatever. But it was when I tell you I was so myself. That's literally how I got on the show. And did you find yourself able to to maintain that throughout the the process of the show? Or was it was it hard? Because I can imagine it's like it's challenging to maintain integrity and maintain who you are in character when you're on a show like the bachelor or the bachelorette. So it wasn't hard at all. Mm. It was incredibly easy to just be myself. What makes it hard is after you get off the show. Right. And you know, you build a fan base and now people expect you to be one type of way and one type of way only and be one dimensional. Right. For example, people expect me to smile 24-7. Like, I got a good, you know, that's it's a good of me. For some of my friends, it could be they're an asshole now. You know, they're they're deemed an asshole, right? Which is not the case. They may have been, they may have put someone in check. They may have been mean on the show, but that don't mean they're mean like every day in their life, right? And so the after is the hard part where you have to, I'll give you a good example. I told this to my agent. You know Rascal Flats? Of course, yeah. All right, cool, right? I, I love Rascal Flats, right? I also love Lil Wayne. On my Twitter, 
this is what the very beginning. So this would be a good example. At the moment, on my Twitter, trying to be myself, I was like, man, I love when I hear, how's it go? The 99 or 2000. Something that little one, on one of their tracks, back that ass up basically the song. And I got like three likes on it, right? And then the next day I said, no, it was, I think it was Hinder. No, what, it was Hinder or Rascal Flatts. They had, what is that song that they had? Kiss something. Anyway, I can't think of it. They had a really sad song, but it was amazing. And I was like, man, I wonder what I was going through in seventh grade that made me so emotional listening to this song. And I got thousands of likes, right? And I was, and I was thinking to myself, wow, my audience really doesn't know my culture. Right. And that has made things a bit harder because I want to connect with my audience, but I'm going to be authentic to me. And for a lot of my castmates, they easily are able to do that, right? Because a lot of the, because you got to think of the audience of the Bachelor franchise, right? Mm -hmm. I never heard of the Bachelor franchise until the same year I went on the Bachelor franchise. <laughs> right. And so my things are different. So that's, that was the hard part, getting accustomed to that. Yeah. And especially when you've, you've built this, this fan base, it's not, I, wanna, I don't want to say overnight, but in a short period of time, because the fan base is essentially built from people who are watching the show. And now you wake up and you've got, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands or millions of followers as a result of just being on a show for, you know, a few months or whatever the time frame was. And, and you're right. Sometimes like people's like a hundred percent of people's perception about somebody comes from like the 10% or 5% you see on a television show. Correct. Right. Instead of really taking the time to get to know them. So I, I get, so like after the show, right, you go, you, you didn't make it obviously. And, and I'm sure that was, that was hard. Right. Because I think the goal at, at that point was to find a relationship and find love. Like, how did you handle that? How like it was so public and now you have all these fans like, and I know in, in your younger years, like when you went through that, that breakup, it was like a really dark time for you. So like, what were some of the things that changed for you during this time that made Honestly, it an easy man, process? It was, it was easy. Yeah. I can't lie about it. It was easy. And the reason it was, I was 31 years old. I knew who I was. I loved myself. I, I, you know, earlier on the pod, when I was telling you, I was building my foundation when I wake yeah. up at 418 in the morning and listen to my motivational speeches and, you know, follow the only people I follow on IG. I was, that was filling up my gas tank yeah. per se. That was building my pyramid, my base level. And so on the show, I really didn't care. Like it's, it's an amazing, beautiful thing when you know who you are. Mm. Like, this is me. Take a love it, baby. Yeah. You know, this, this is, this is me. That's, that's how it was. So it, it wasn't, it was embarrassing, like in a funny way, like, Oh, I've been dumped on TV twice. You know, it, it's a funny thing to say, but, for me personally, it, it didn't hurt me. Fans come at you, you know, I, fans, boy, fans come at you so hard. And I don't even think they, I do think some people realize and I think they don't care because to them, it's a game. It's funny to them. And I think they forget that we're human. And then other people, I just, they just want to be a dumbass and an asshole. Right. But I like to clap back at people. <laughs> I have no problem doing that, you know? And so, I've said, you will never say this in my face, you know, and I got in trouble <laughs> from my agent for saying that. Right. But it's the truth. So when it comes to social media stuff, it's like Drake says, you know, Twitter finger turning trigger fingers. Like people just want to have internet. They just want to be internet trolls. And for whatever reason, it doesn't affect me that much. Right. It just really doesn't. I, I think it's just because I've built up a callus. If we're going to build a callus, I'll say it like this and be succinct with it. If we're going to build a callus, have a callus that's positive, have a callus that builds strength for you, have a callus that shows you who you are undeniably, no matter what anyone says, you know that you are beautifully made the way you are. Hmm. That's it. Right. Amen, man. Wow. There's so much. We talked about so much today. I feel like we could go on forever, but I kind of want to be mindful of, of your time and our time. And, and I guess like where I'd like to, to end the conversation before we get into like what you're doing now where people can find out more about you is like, let's just say there's somebody that's like listening to this, that, and it's common that they're really struggling to find themselves. They're in that moment where 
they just aren't feeling good about themselves. They're afraid to ask that person out or they're afraid to take a chance on themselves. They're, or they're frankly, they're afraid to start over again. Like what's, what's some advice that you, you would, you would give to somebody who is really struggling to, to build that self-confidence and, and really hone in on who they truly are and love themselves in those moments so they can get better. I love that question, Doug. I would say that confidence equals competence, mm. right? Confidence equals competence. What competence is, is knowledge of having knowledge of anything that whatever the subject is. Right. And right. so if it's loving yourself, you want to be confident in loving yourself then you want to be competent within that, then you need to do the small steps. You need to do the small things. For example, I have really bad asthma, right? When I go to a new location, my body and my chest flares up, my lungs get in, you know, enraged and I, it's my, my lungs tighten up. I can barely breathe, right? So uh, one small thing that I can do to build competence and trust is to ensure that I have my inhaler with me in my backpack, on my person, in my car, no matter where I am in this world, right? What that does is over, the, over time, such a small thing. I said, have my inhaler with me, right? That tells, that teaches myself that, wow, I can trust myself with my health and having my inhaler, having my device. And it makes you smile. It literally does, right? Because it happens to me all the time. I'm like, man, I trust myself, right? Another example, you said if they, if they want to ask that person out, I talked about this to my homies all the time, confidence equals competence. So therefore, in order to get confidence to talk to this individual, this, this person, you got to just learn how to talk to people. Go talk to some other girl that, or some other guy that you may not want, but just have a conversation with them, like a human being. Not like I'm trying to holler at you, but like just a human being, right? And over time, you're building competence and knowledge in how, and how to talk to this person. When it comes to starting over again, right? Let's say you're 53 years old and you lost your job after 19 years and you're supposed to get your pension, right? Which it sadly happens to people, you know? They get fired at the 19th year when they get their pension at 20 years. And now you got to start over at 53, 54 years old. I think that it's perfectly fine to realize that you're a human and have that emotional period. I'm, I'm one to say that, you know, that's okay. But what's not okay is to, is to lull, to have a lull in that area, right? You know, take a few days, boom, let it hit you. You feel it. Now you got to get back out of it. And the way to get back out of it is just to do one small act like legit that small act that for that third day let's say is to go on google open your laptop open your cell phone go on google and this, and look up a trade just start doing research and then do research for a week and then after that week make that phone call after you make that phone call to a few different people that third week talk to you some people that you love if you have nobody that you love that like that then have self-talk with yourself can i do this that fifth to sixth week, you're starting class. Hmm. You look it back on it, damn. I just got fired for 19 years at this company. I'm already weeks removed and working at another or in, an, in another establishment, another field, learning a new trade. That literally builds confidence in self, telling yourself. Because even when we want to lie to, because we're human, we want to lie to ourselves sometimes. But it's hard to lie to yourself when you have proven yourself that you can do these things. Yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, the, the confidence from those moments comes from taking action and not, you don't have to make overnight success, but just taking some small steps. Like I always say yeah, to somebody, like somebody who has, hasn't worked out in 20 years and is sitting on the couch, like I would never say, just go out and run like three miles because no, that's David Goggins would. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's impossible, and the, and their confidence in themselves to do that is is so small because they're already feeling pretty low about themselves. But what I might say is, why not just put on your shoes and go for a walk and just tell me how you feel? Go for five minutes, ten minutes, right? Exactly. And then exactly. build off of that, and then if you do that every day and you start to to stack that up, and then over time, a few months go by, and like now you're able to run a mile, run two miles, and where did it all start? It just started from consistent action on a daily basis to get yourself out of like a deep, dark hole. And so, dude, this has been awesome. I feel like, like I said, I could talk to you forever. I mean, I, I love what you're about. I love your message. I love 
which which you've made out of your life. So where can people, I know you have the podcast that you started this year that's that's really taken off and you're on a show, is it the Ultimate Surfer, I think it's called? Yes, sir. And, yeah. and you got some other things going on. You got a book, uh, people can find you on Instagram. So where's like the best place to, to really find out more about what you have going on that people can check out? Podcast, thank you for talking about it. It's called Talking It Out with Mike and Brian. It's a, you can find it at just Talking It Out BN or batch nation nation pods or you just find me on ig mike underscore johnson that's probably the easiest one for all the listeners out there for sound mike underscore johnson and you'll be able to find everything right there awesome man well well thank you so much again for coming on and for those listening what i always try to recommend is is to share a takeaway there was so much we talked about about mindset about rediscovering yourself about working out. We talked about community. We talked about obviously the bachelorette. There was just so much we covered in this routine, discipline, lifestyle, like that. I want you to take a screenshot and share a takeaway, like whatever it was, tag Mike, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.